schools should be sacred about education and they should be safe. We've had too much violence in and around our schools and we think we can in a very targeted way and in a way that's not draconian send a swift message that you know we can't stand for violence around our schools. Welcome to the Insightful Voices podcast, a show that aims to cover a variety of topics affecting the legal profession. Here's your host, Natalie McSherry. Good morning. This is Natalie McSherry. I am here today on the MSBA podcast, Insightful Voices, with Eric Barron, the 49th United States Attorney for the District of Maryland, first Democrat in 20 years. And I want to say welcome, Eric, to our podcast this morning. Well, it's great to be here. Good morning. Thank you. And also for the benefit of those who who don't know you, perhaps you could just uh, give a little thumbnail sketch of your background and how it was that you came to be the United States Attorney for Maryland. Well, certainly it's an amazing opportunity, Um, but I I guess came out of law school and worked as a prosecutor, first as an assistant state's attorney in Prince George's, and then as a, an assistant state's attorney in Baltimore City. I also transitioned to the U.S. Department of Justice and worked as a trial attorney in the criminal division, prosecuting gangs and violent crime cases around the country. Then I uh, got an opportunity to work on the Hill for then-Senator Joe Biden as one of his counsel on the uh, U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee. From there, uh, my boss became vice president, so worked on the president's transition team for a little bit, and then uh, went out and, and solo practice on my own, and then eventually joined the law firm of Whiteford, Taylor, and Preston. Also during that time, uh, ran for office in 2014 and uh, won a seat in the Maryland General Assembly in the House of Delegates. So did that for about seven years. And it was always a uh, desire to return to government practice and, and the job of a prosecutor, which was out of all the jobs I've had, the most fulfilling and the most exciting. So, you know, expressed an interest to the administration and to our senators, Senator Ben Cardin and Senator Chris Van Hollen, and uh, went through the process and nomination and confirmation and was sworn in uh, on October 7th of last year. Um, Let me back up a little bit, though, to your time in the Maryland legislature, because as a former prosecutor, it's kind of interesting to me that it seemed like your legislative focus was on criminal justice reform, uh, mostly dedicated to things like reentry and mental health. Can you talk about that a little bit? Right. So, you know, working as a prosecutor, you know, really on the kind of the bowels of the courthouse really gives you a kind of day to day viewpoint of the criminal justice system and how it works. And and then having that experience in the legislature really, I thought, gave me a, a well-rounded view going into in, into being a member of a legislative body myself. And really, I I came in knowing that I wanted to focus at the intersection of criminal justice and healthcare. Um, And I sat on the the General Assembly's uh, Health and Government Operations Committee, and really which just gave me an opportunity to kind of make sure that those 
different realms, criminal justice and healthcare weren't uh, seen in a vacuum. My hope is that I had some role in having the state look more holistically at the justice system and how people become involved and the things that we can do to mitigate and prevent people from being incarcerated, that we can do things to enhance public safety without incarcerations and give, give people that the help that they need. How did that tie in with your work as a member of the um, Maryland House um, when you were serving on the Maryland Justice Reinvestment Coordinating Council? Right. So that was an amazing opportunity to really bring it all together holistically. The council was a bipartisan group of experts and in every part of the system. And we were helped by and staffed by the Pew Charitable Trust and other experts, outside experts, who allowed us to kind of dispassionately look at the data and the drivers of our our justice system, the drivers of incarceration, the the offenses and the, the problems that, that bring people to the courthouse and really allowed us to, to in taking a deep dive at, at the evidence, making recommendations to the General Assembly based solely on the evidence and not, you know, the 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 passions of the day necessarily. So That's, what made you take the route of government service rather than legal services as a lawyer? Just curious. I wanted to really use my law degree in a very active way and um, being in the courthouse and being, you know, in the courtroom like an assistant state's attorney is sometimes every day of the week was really attractive to me. And I'm an introvert. And I, I just felt like that was a good way to really stretch myself and, and learn and take myself to a, a different level. So how does that idea of actually acting like or being like a lawyer fit now with your role as the U.S. attorney? Well, that, that's a great question. So in this role, I really need to focus. There's a lot of things, you know, a lot of areas within the office that I could be involved in, including, you know, taking cases myself, which I want to do. But that's not my main role. The main role here is oversight and management and directing the office towards the administration's priorities, making sure that the supervisors and the line assistants have the resources they need to be successful. So it's more of a management and oversight role and not running in and out of the courtroom role. There are uh, things I wanna do to, to stay fresh but that's not my primary role. Although, you know, in the process of managing, it really is exciting to, to help those who are doing uh, the day-to-day -day work in the courtroom be successful and develop uh, in the way that they wanna do. You mentioned making sure that the office is addressing the administration's priorities. Do you get to set any of your own priorities? If so, what are they? Well, I do. There, there's there's a lot of room to to do that within the administration's priorities. So the attorney general Garland, who is a Marylander, would tell you that the administration has three co-equal priorities, you know, protecting the rule of law, protecting the nation's security and protecting civil rights. So within that, for Maryland, I think that means first and foremost, addressing violent crime, 
particularly uh, in, in Baltimore City and Prince George's. Um, those jurisdictions, you know, have an outsized share of crime in the state, but addressing violent crime, you know, throughout the state, which there's been an uptick, but also civil rights. And we are growing our civil rights practice within the office, uh, white collar crime and fraud, particularly uh, fraud against vulnerable populations, especially the elderly, national security and cybercrime, which is you know continuing to be an emerging problem, uh, which I think our office is in a particularly important position to, to help address. And then a, a hallmark of the office has always been addressing uh, public corruption. So how are the early days of your term? How are they going? Any big adjustments going from private practice in state legislature into your new federal position? Yeah, it's a, it's been a big adjustment, but it's been great. I, I like to think that I've hit the ground running. I come to the position with a lot of varied experience and already with a lot of set relationships with our state and local partners, which I think typically a United States attorney doesn't have a, already have these relationships embedded, which I do. I already know, you know, many of our mayors and police chiefs and state's attorneys. So to a certain extent, I'm, I'm already a known quantity. And so I can hit the ground running with our partners. And those partnerships are so important to addressing all of our priorities. But one thing I've been doing these past uh, 100 plus days or so is meeting individually one-on-one -on -one with everyone in the office. That's attorneys, uh, administrative staff, uh, contractual staff, and just, you know, making sure that everyone's okay. Getting back to those priorities that you said Attorney General Merrick Garland set out, the first one you mentioned was the rule of law. What's the role of your office in preserving or defending that concept? Right. So, you know, just at a basic level, we have, we have a criminal division and a civil division. And our job is to investigate complaints and matters that come to us and and to the extent that we follow the evidence and the facts bear out that a civil or criminal uh, offense has taken place then you know it's our job to bring a lawsuit or bring an indictment we also defend federal agencies and uh, to the extent someone believes that they have been wronged by the federal government, it's our job to defend the, the taxpayers' interests. So that's kind of what we do at a basic level, but more broadly, civil and criminal justice. It's our job to do the best we can to seek justice in every individual case. You know, one of your signature legislative accomplishments in the in the Maryland legislature was the Justice Reinvestment Act. And I noticed that your website now as U.S. attorney has a lot of emphasis on things like um, reentry programs, reentry resource guides. Is that an outgrowth of your work there or was that already in place in the office when you got there? There, there was some of this within the within the office as I got here, but, you know, um, we were taking it to another level. If we're going to address crime, we got to address it comprehensively. And I think prosecutors really need to be actively at the table. And it really grows from, you know, some of the things that the department had been doing 
you know, decades ago, but sometimes, you know, through the ebb and flow of different administrations and over the decades, some things fall by the wayside. The fact is that when addressing crime, we're never going to be able to just enforce or arrest our way out of things. Now, you know, there may be areas where we need more accountability, but we have to be, you know, thinking about areas where we can prevent crimes from happening in the first place. Um, but we also have to recognize that some, sometimes people need help and we need to be in a position to make sure that they can be successful. Otherwise, they're liable to reoffend. Most violent crime is perpetrated by repeat offenders. So if we're not addressing reentry, then we're not addressing the whole problem. You also recently had a press conference where you announced that the Department of Justice had given Maryland a substantial grant to support Project Safe Neighborhoods. Does that also play a role in your whole outreach program? Absolutely. So Project Safe Neighborhoods really is like the centerpiece of the department's violent crime strategy. Project Safe Neighborhoods rightly involves enforcement and prosecution and accountability, but it also includes re-entry and community outreach and getting out in the community and making sure that all of our partners and including our individuals within the community and community organizations are part of the strategy and that we're reaching you know reaching people especially young people and for me that means you know trying to get in the schools and helping our teachers and our principals and parents reach reach young people and and making sure that they have the supports they need so that they, you know, don't get in a situation where they're enticed by gang activity and, and criminal involvement. Any other plans that you have for work with um, local jurisdictions? You mentioned Baltimore City and Prince George's on trying to reduce gun crime. So for gun crime, we're working on, you know, speaking of schools, we're working on an initiative around uh, school zones. There's a provision within the federal criminal code prohibiting the possession of firearms within school zones. And it's not something that has traditionally been prosecuted aggressively by our office, but we're going to look at in a targeted way where we have repeat offenders who uh, are caught with a gun in or around a school with taking those cases federally. We really want to send a message that Schools should be sacred about education and they should be safe. We've had too much violence in and around our schools and we think we can in a very targeted way and in a way that's not draconian, send a swift message that you know we can't stand for violence around our schools. Is there any one piece of advice that you would give to a younger lawyer starting out with a goal of working in public service as you have? But yeah, it's, you know, seek Seek mentors, you know, look at the people around you or people you don't even know yet who have great attitudes and who have done or are doing some of the things you'd like to do and pick up the phone and talk to them. One of the best things I ever did was get involved in the Maryland State Bar Association. And then more specifically, I applied to be a Leadership Academy Fellow. You just meet so many great people in a relaxed setting, not a work setting, not no one's looking for anything other than to just learn from each other 
and do pro bono and do public service projects and meeting and networking in that kind of context and making mentors and friends. It's just so valuable. You learn so much. And then when you're, you know, happen to be looking for a job or, you know, have, you know, a potential opportunity, you're calling on a friend, on a mentor and someone who has known you in a variety of different venues and contexts, and you're not calling a stranger looking for help. Do you see any ways that the Maryland State Bar Association could work with your office to advance the priorities that you've already described for your office? What can we do to help? Well, I think uh, the bar does a great job of creating opportunities for people to get involved in the community, uh, to do public service projects. So the more the Bar Association keeps that up and spreads the word about those different projects, there's many attorneys and non-attorneys uh, in our office of every you know different stripe who would love to get involved in some of those things. Eric, I just want to thank you on a personal note, really, for joining us today. I know you have an extraordinarily busy schedule. So thank you for taking the time um, to speak with me and, and through that um, with the people of Maryland. I really appreciate it. It's good to see you again. It's good to see you. This has been a real treat. Thank you. Thank you. Insightful Voices podcast has been brought to you by the Maryland State Bar Association, the home of the profession. Stay tuned for the next episode and subscribe now so you won't miss a moment.